the Scandal Fan Podcast starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Scandal Fan Podcast. I am one of your hostesses. I am Jaha Knight. And of course, on this episode of the Scandal Fan Podcast, it is being brought to you by the Scandal Podcast After Dark. And we are all, um, this episode was actually all of us, uh, Eldia, Langston, and Katrina and myself. And I didn't have a lot to say during the episode due to the fact that I was trying to keep everything, you know, going. That's my job pretty much. But my feelings about everything that was going on in this lawn chair episode was, it was a lot. Um, we all know that the situation with Trayvon Martin happened, the situation with Mike Brown happened here in the United States, and we haven't really healed from that. We're not going to, because it seems like it seems to get worse every single day. And then the rant at the end of the episode with the officer was really how a lot of people feel like, uh, we're not teaching our children values or ethics or any of those things. And that's just not true. A lot of what we're teaching our children is not so much to be afraid of the cops, but be wary and not just wary of the cops. Because if I'm sitting at a light, regardless of where I'm at, if it's dark around where I'm at, it could be Buckhead, Atlanta, you know, it could be Buckhead or it could be where I'm, where I live. I will lock the door if, (laughs) and that's with my child in the car or not. But I teach her because my child is, um, I have a daughter and she is amazing. I love her. She's very talented, very gifted. But at the end of the day, if you were to see her and she has on her big baggy clothes, sometimes she looks like a little boy. She's not a little boy. She's a girl. But at times, you know, she is, you know, looking like, well, she looks a lot like me. So if you've ever seen me, she looks a lot like me. But regardless, I teach her a lot of things just so that she's safe in the world. So why would you think in in any aspect of the of the sense of being a parent, that a parent wouldn't teach their child respect. Sometimes the things that you teach your children, they don't always carry out when you're not around. Sometimes they do because that's just the type of child that they are. But regardless, we all know intrinsically who our children are. And I really emphasize with the father during this episode when he was saying, you know, that my son doesn't carry a knife. That's not my son. And in the end, of course, he was vindicated. But, um, We went through the whole thing of him saying what, you know, he said and feeling the way he felt because he wanted to protect his child even in death, even in in that still moment where you want, you know, and this, this episode was really good. Um, It really brought up a lot of emotions. I think on the podcast, I'm the only parent, so I didn't really want to talk about it so much, but at some point we all got a little teary because it's hard to raise a child in this world and feel like you're raising them to be the best person that they can be and their lives can be snatched away so quickly over a misunderstanding or even someone feeling superior to the child just because of the color of their skin. That's insane. I don't feel like in this world we have a perfect world, but I feel like every day I strive to be better. And most of the people I surround myself with also strive to be better. So do the people on the podcast. And, you know, largely I believe in, in humanity as being a positive thing. But sometimes you have these outliers that stand in um, plain sight with malice in their hearts or even racism or sexism or just issues in their heart. And in a large part of, of scandal is who is power. Everybody wants to have power. Everyone wants to be in control. And it's not everyone. So many people, because I don't want to use that as a blanket statement because it's not true. So many people want power. So many people want to be in control. And so many people want power over other people. It's a large part of the reason people leave corporate America. It's a large part of the reason people step into positions where they think they can control others or have authority over them. It's a large part of the reason people make other people miserable, bullying, all these other things. Adults that are bullies were kids that were bullies, were teenagers that were bullies. And then they turn into these bullies as adults as well. Now they're in management positions or positions that feel like they have authority. And a large part of, of scandal is asking who is in power, who is power. 
And everyone wants to grab for that power. Rowan wanted to have power. Jake wanted to have power. Fitz has power and wants to have power. Melly wants power. Everybody on the show, Cyrus wants power, wants power. Um, I don't know so much for OPA if that's the case because I don't see Quinn wanting power. I don't see Huck wanting power. I don't see Abby wanting power. I just see a lot of people wanting position. And sometimes the power is in the position. There was a lot that I didn't get to say on the show. So if you all are hearing it now for the first time, just know that I wasn't able to voice my opinions during the episode. And it's not because, you know, um, the, the gladiators were doing their thing. It was really, uh, well, the, my other castmates, my other, uh, uh, you know, hostess and hostesses and hosts were doing their thing. It was really because we we had a time constraint and I wanted to stay true to that, but also, you know, get our interactivity with the listeners that were watching us live and tweeting back with us in the Twitter chat, uh, wanted to get their opinion as well. So I just try to throw my opinion in at the beginning of the episodes if I have time. So that's why I'm doing this part so I can also get my feelings out because I have feelings too. <laughs> So I wanted to cover that, but um, a lot of this is going to be t discussed in this episode. And I really want you all to talk back with us, tweet back with us and tell us what you felt about this episode too. That's why we decided to do the Scandal Book of Feels because of this real, um, this very real thing. What do you feel about the characters on the show? What do you feel about the people that have, you know, opinions and the things that you see in Twitter on Twitter when we, when people are chatting back live or the Facebook groups or even the Google plus groups about, uh, Carrie Washington or even Olivia Pope and all of the dynamics of pitting Melly against Olivia and Fitz against Jake and Rowan against the world and all these other things. And, um, you can go and join in with us by going to dramaqueenbooks.com backslash feels, F-E-E-L-S. That is how you contribute to the Scandal Book of Feels with your opinion about the show. Even if you're not able to chat back with us on Twitter, even if you're not in the Scandal Podcast After Dark, this is your opportunity to voice your opinion and how you feel about the things that go on on the, the episodes, not just the episodes, but the show at um, as a whole. And we really will be... Um, promoting this a lot during the summertime when we're on break because then it gives you a chance to go back and watch the episodes and then to give us fully formed opinions about the show um and of course as usual we thank you all for listening to the scandal podcast the scandal fan podcast and we thank you all for tuning in and joining us if you want to know what's going on with me well for me i am over here working my buns off in my business and honestly if you are a new entrepreneur it takes a little while to gain traction so if you all have have listened to my journey as i talk about it on the podcast it does take a little while to gain traction in your business i Quit my job in July of last year and right now I'm starting to see it it really pick up and start gaining legs and I'm very grateful to the um the people who I work with that are my clients and I call them my business partners too because they're really um eager to see me succeed and I'm also equally eager to see them succeed in building brands and building their businesses so as a branding coach I'm a little bit of a of a business coach and a um uh, a brand well we do brand identity so we do uh websites and logos and flyers and print things and all that stuff designs for your digital stuff and we launch brands every day and it's so much fun i absolutely love it and then we do brand management where we manage their social media their you know if they want to start a podcast we do that if they want to um have a strategy for their social media. We help them with that and we help them implement it. Our brands, um, the companies that we work with are rock stars. They're all soul-centered entrepreneurs. And y'all all know I'm a sophisticated lady. So it's it's been fun. Um, and I, I know that this podcast isn't about what I do for my business. It's really about scandal, but I would be remiss to not talk to you all about the things that make me happy and light me up. Scandal is a part of my Inspire Media network um, of podcast. So this is always something that I want to, you know, push out to you all that are dreaming big in your lives. 
and don't know the steps to take, that is what I'm here for. So it's not just that I do scandal podcast. I am also an author. I'm also a, you know, a businesswoman. So if you are also a businesswoman and you don't know, or business male, and you don't know the steps to move forward in your business from idea to the steps, then make sure you contact me because that's important. And I love helping other people succeed as you all see. So that's all. I want you all to listen to this episode and tweet us at Scandal Podcast if you have any opinions that you would like to share for this episode. I truly appreciate you tuning in. And here is this week's episode, The Lawn Chair. Welcome to the Scandal Fan Podcast. Now it's my turn to make noise. Welcome to the Scandal (laughs) Fan Podcast. I am one of your hostesses. I'm Jaha Knight, and I'm joined by the magnificent gladiators that are on the team for the Scandal Fan Podcast. Katrina Favela, Langston Smith, and Eldia Harris. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, my people. I am Katrina Favela. You can find me at katrinafavela.tumblr.com, where I blog about all things Scandal. And also at number one feeling on Twitter. Go ahead, Eldia. (laughs) Hi, my name is Eldia Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at Janet Tamarfan. Can you guys hear me? Yes. And hi, Eldia. Okay. I know she's been away so long <laughs> I know. and hello everybody I'm Langston Smith and uh, you can find me at Langston Smith on Twitter and at Black Alphabet on Twitter and I'm um, happy to have Katrina back the other half of Langston. That's right, Langston is the house. One of the twins activate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So So. welcome, y'all, to the podcast. If you are joining us, you can tweet with us live uh, using the hashtag ScandalFanPodcast. The questions are rolling out live to you all right now. I will be asking them on air, but if you're on Twitter, of course, you can respond back to us by using the hashtag and putting the answer to the question number that you are responding to. So um, the first question for the night is, what were the two most riveting moments last night for you all? Hmm. Oh, can I go first? Go. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many, but I have to say, mine were like smaller moments. My two most riveting moments for me were were the scene at the uh, it was at the beginning of the episode in the first act when the father simply set the lawn chair over his son's dead body. Same. That was that made me cry because I was like, I think you understand that it, not even as a parent, but lost someone that you love. You just want them to be treated with kindness and respect, and you want to preserve some of their dignity, especially if they've been lost in like a tragic way. So that was really riveting for me. And then the other one was actually Fitz and Melly when she was like, you promised me that it was my turn. And she called him out on that. She was like, I prostituted myself out so you could get your mistress back and you promised me my turn. And that was really riveting to me because I think we we the, the relationship that the viewers have always imagined Fitz and um, Melly having is actually been played this season. The first three seasons I felt like the viewers had one perception and the writers um, gave us another and this is the season where you see they have always been a partnership. It has always been a partnership between the two of them. And this is, so this season, you can't really, like, I haven't heard it. Normally you hear, oh, Melly's delusional, Melly's crazy. You haven't really heard that this season because they're showing that this relationship has always been a partnership. So when, so you can understand why she felt so betrayed when the Olivia thing happened because she was willing to put up with all of his, you know, habits and BS outside of the marriage because he never let it affect what was going on between them and it never affected what they had. And then when Olivia came into the picture, it did. So that was, that was my, those were my two favorite. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to save that for later. Eldia, I, I don't full circle uh, uh, disagree what? with you, but I would put okay. in a three quarters of a circle disagreement <laughs> on that. <laughs> Half of a pie? What in the world kind of circle is that? Okay. 
want to talk about that later because I don't want to derail the podcast. But okay. that was actually one of the things that I hated this episode with Melly. And I was like, oh, no, I'm about to put your shit on blast right now, Melly. But I'm not going to do that <laughs> okay. at this moment. And, and, I think, and I think you're about to say the same thing that I was thinking. <laughs> but, go, but go ahead. Okay. But, but, yeah. You know, I think we're going to bring LZ. Don't come to me and defend it. I would say the Melly part. <laughs> I just wanted to add to what you said about the lawn chair, Eldia, because it was one of my favorite. It was both my partner, my partner and I, we were watching it, and we both started crying at that part um, point because it was like he was putting his son. His son was under his protection at that point in a way that he mm. couldn't have been when he was out mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. himself, right? right? And he wouldn't leave over his son's dead body. You know what I mean? Until Mm -hmm. he knew what happened. Mm -hmm. So it was symbolic in that way. I'm like getting chills just thinking about it now. And the second moment for me was also related to uh, I had funny moments and you know moments of rage, but like emotional moments. The the one that came almost at the end when Olivia hands him the piece of paper Mm. and said this is what he was reaching for. And the look on his face, it looked as if he said it was like he wanted to confirm that the son he had raised was the son that died. And that he just needed to know that. You know what I mean? And it just... It just got me, right? <laughs> that's, it still that's got you. I see. He, it still does. That's like that's all he could ask for at that point, because that's all that was left was just mm-hmm. preserving his son's memory, the way he knew him and knew his uh-huh. son, and was so sure. So, right. That just got to me. Yeah, right. don't make people start crying in the podcast. I know, now. I know right? <laughs> have me and my feelings for a second too. Because that could have that that could have gone that could have gone the opposite direction of mm. you know that 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 ultimately the knife could have been his. But I just I I just would have been so angry with Shonda if she had gone that route. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm so glad she didn't because when because when they first because that for, and I'm sorry to interrupt your riveting moment but that was a riveting moment. The, um, oh, I was the, I was done. The the lawn chair like like so far like both of you have said. And then uh, when they rolled him over and the knife was there, it just punched me in the gut because I was oh, like, no, man, this too. can't, this can't be right. Something's wrong. Oh, and, I knew it was gonna be good. Right. <laughs> it was like, no, this, no, I'm not, I'm not going for that. I was like, I was, I already had my finger on the Twitter button, and uh, <laughs> I was like, mm-mm, Shonda, no, 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 no. He's like, not today, not, not today, not this close after not, the report, not right. today. Okay. <laughs> 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 almost made me almost made me go into shade mode. Um, <laughs> but uh but no, I did tweet Shonda afterwards because that was on point. That was on point yeah. from beginning to end. And it was amazing yeah. to me that there were people who were complaining like, I'm not feeling this episode. It's like we are eight minutes in, people. Shut yes. up and watch the yeah. episode. You know what what got me teary eyed? What got me teary eyed was when they started playing the Nina Simone music. I'm like, hey, oh my you god, know, you know, know, right? Yeah, I was I was through. I was like, stop it, Shonda. They like, know how to punch you but, in the gut on this show all but, the time. But I will but I will agree, I will agree with Eldia on on one point regarding the Melly situation. I was riveted by that because I wanted to see how that played out because you know we're we're playing you know we're playing against what was happening in the streets with what was happening in the White House and them mm-hmm. trying to dance to, them trying to dance this fine line of do we speak or do we not speak but in terms of Melly um, I, I guess I'm, and you, you can bring your point in later, Katrina, but for me, I was like, no, baby, did nobody ask you to do that? You did that on your own. No. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> let me come in on this. Let me come in on this because I got to come in on this. When I finally okay. just got around to, because I was so busy, um, got around to on Wednesday, posted like a little, just like some thoughts I had on 413. Mm-hmm. And okay. my first call, because I was really pissed off about this from 413, was Melly and her solidarity is for white women bullshit feminism that I cannot stand. Okay? Listen up, people. 
In 412, Melly plays victim to Fitz, admits that she made a mistake with with um with Andrew and begs him to help her to fix it by letting him walk because she wants to be president next. Fitz says, "Okay, he walks. I'm going to do you that solid, right? Even though it means that I'm letting this asshole who like kidnapped my woman and like uh, pulls me into this war. So shit on all sides around. 413. Melly tells um Melly tells um Lizzie that she essentially prostituted herself for her mm -hmm. and that makes it Lizzie's responsibility to punish Andrew. Makes it Lizzie's responsibility to punish Andrew. Now in this episode she tells Fitz that he's the one that she prostituted herself for to get Olivia back. Meanwhile, what she did with getting the phone didn't help Olivia at all because they got the phone, they found out the location in Finley and Olivia was gone. So every single thing that they found out about Olivia in terms of the CIA and her location came from fucking Olivia. So Melly in the end didn't do shit. She's playing against um, Lizzie. She's playing against Fitz. And I'm not going to fucking have it. These people up here going up for Melly well, and her bullshit. But, had, but you have to you also have to admit had, you also have to admit though had Olivia stayed her ass put if she, she would have been found she would have been found but that would have been a less interesting that would have been a less not only would have been less interesting it would not have served right. the purpose of what I think is going on for Olivia right now and this whole I'm right. on my own and discovering right. like what that means but do you know the god damn like favors Melly would have been asking for if it turned out that the phone Oh but you you have to know she's still going to she's still going to she froze yeah. but you have to admit that she's still going to do it she's if, if she's if she's no. already used if she's already used it on Lizzie and she's using it on on Fitz she's definitely going to use it on on uh Olivia, when she comes, when she comes forth, I need your help because I did this, this, and this for you. And if right. it hadn't, and if it hadn't been for me, your Huck guy wouldn't have found him, and he wouldn't be paralyzed right now, and he'd be spilling his guts to the press. So how so, about this, y'all? Um, Katrina Pavela is frozen now, but you can find her on KatrinaPavela.tumblr.com. So when she comes back up, you'll see her information to go to her website and see like some of those thoughts that she was just telling, sharing with us. I want to answer um, or you know read out some of the responses to the questions that are rolling out on Twitter. Um, there was a question about um, number one. We never got past question one, so y'all gonna have to get concise. <laughs> <laughs> so um, question number one for me, it was when the cop revealed his true feelings um, and Marcus telling Liv how he felt about her. That was sweet treats. That's what she said. Her answer was with, with the big moment. Uh, and Annie, Annie, Annette says that um, question number one, when Olivia switched sides and chanted with the protesters was her first moment and the second one was the officer's rant about respect. And question number two, I believe, did we get to question number two? I don't think we did because y'all, no. they, they got to no, it on Twitter. We, we did not. To it here. Have you ever been in a position to do one thing, but it was a cover for something else? Have y'all ever been put in that position before? Ah, I mean, come on. I'm one of I'm one of three. Let me say that I'm a middle child, <laughs> and there's such an age gap between me and my siblings. So, I mean, of course, I've you know been put in positions with my. I'm still to this day we're grown adults, and I still get put in positions where my where my brother tells me stuff, and it's like don't tell mom, and then mom finds out, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't. So we, I think we all have. But what I found very interesting about that was. Liv always tries to wear the white hat. She's always trying to do the right thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. she finds out in the process of doing it that the right thing isn't what she thought it was, or other times she has found out that it was exactly what she thought it was. So I, I kind of like that. I didn't really... Um, I thought the actor who played Marcus was really... He portrayed him really well. Um, I did like that Shonda really made it a point to represent all points of the story, all sides of the story. She didn't slant it just to be one way, even though I know people on Twitter were going crazy at, about the ending. Um, she never I think does she, that. She never does this right. kind of objective point of view. She makes people speak from their subjectivity, so you get yeah. these different like, points of view. 
The mm. bow is back, y'all. Mm. Yes. Right, because ah. the bow is back. I was too hot. They shut me down. Melly had her video. You and shut me down. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got hit by the male hive. I the did. Male hive. But we, but we all see things differently. I mean, even I'll see things, see something completely different and feel something completely different. And that's how it is with everything that's going on in the world. We all see it differently. We all react yeah. to it differently. Yeah. I will always say that as a person of color, I can understand some of what goes on in Ferguson, but I am not a man. So Langston can probably relate to it more than I can. I can only relate... From, relate to it from my woman's standpoint, which is my I have a, six, a brother who is 16 years old who is skinny as a string being and over six feet tall. And ever since the Trayvon Martin thing happened, my mom doesn't like him to wear hoodies. She doesn't like him to be mm-hmm. out in our neighborhood walking at night when it's dark out. And this is an area he has lived in since a house he has lived in since he has been born. Um, you know, so I can relate to it from those aspects. I can't, re- you know what I mean? So I, I, so I, yeah, I, I did think Shonda did a very good job. And I think we all have been in situations where something, we thought we were doing one thing and then something else happened and we had to, we had to cover it up and do something else. Hopefully nothing illegal. So that's all I want to say. <laughs> no, I'm about to say. Um, can I just say one thing? Um, <laughs> as much as we're praising Shonda, um, clearly Shonda has a hand in um, like every episode and she may write for certain characters, but the writer of the episode is Zahir McGee and I did tweet him my props. I generally really like his episodes. I think he did an exceptional job this time. He really did. That was crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be like a sweet said earlier when we were talking about crying. She said, mm-hmm. too late, y'all. I'm already sniffling, but it's all good. Please proceed further with podcast. She said, yes, that, that Nina Simone cut everything. It cut you right to the soul. Sister mm-hmm. Nina is not a game. She will come for you hard in her yeah. song. And mm-hmm. um, so what we were talking about. She messed me up in 304. Oh, uh, Simone is no joke. Yeah. Okay, I just can't. I mean, whenever they put her on, oh. Man. Well, Kamara Harrington said when the white police officer was ranting at Olivia, and when Fitz, the father, and the father hug, Liv melted, um, that was melted my down other in David's moment. office. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and you I'm, know what? I was gonna say. Oh, oh, oh! And Kamara, and, and Kamara said, "You go, Katrina, because you know you were going off. She, <laughs> she gave you your props on that. I wanted to make sure I got that in." Can't just but, say about that father, the the Fitz and the father, Fitz and the father, um, Fitz and Clarence moment. I I feel like I shouldn't be calling him Clarence. I should be calling him right. Mr. Parker. And like I'm just too yeah, right. young. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Parker. You just a little too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> too familiar. Hopefully he'll be Mr. Emmy winner because that was this a really amazing by Courtney for and Emmy. Like and I'm like I think the episode. So all around needs to go up for an Emmy because I just think it did. It's one of those episodes where everything comes so together. So much is going the on. The perfect mm-hmm. tone, oh, like okay. the editing was on point. The direction yeah. we give, like Tom Barrett, he's oh. always. There's but so much intersectionality in racism, this episode. Racism, right? Amazing. It's everything. And not even with just the crime scene, even stuff that's going on in the White House with like the VP pick yeah. and Melly and Susan Ross and um, mm. what was her name, Michelle Sanchez or yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, Marilyn Sanchez, Rosalind no. Sanchez. Um, Good Lord, how many names did you? Mexico. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, she, <laughs> had, she had, she had, to go back and Marilyn check. Marilyn Rosalind. Look at my notes. I was like, I really wanted her name said, to be Michelle. You could have said any Sanchez, and we would have been fine. <laughs> wow. Now, the, the fact, now, no, 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 no. What I was about to say. What I was about to say before Miss Jaha interjected her own racism. That was uh, not. That was, was, was no, My voice what, may be deep, but it ain't that deep. How about what? How about you let me finish what I was about to say? Oh, don't call you. You could have been. You could. I said you could have. You could have. I'm gonna let you finish, but you need to let me finish. But what I was gonna say, you could have said any Sanchez, because at this point, I'm proud of you for even remembering. The name, remembering her name because I I couldn't remember it at all. Period. She's about to be our second, our next VP. But but let me just tell you that uh, Susan was all all over the place for me, and I was cracking up. She was killing me. I love her. I love this woman. 
But I'm telling you, her. I'm telling you, she's going to be a wild card and something's not going to go their way. They, they think they got this woman in a box. I just see this going completely wrong for her. America's probably going to fall in love with her honesty. And y'all, right. look, I, I think y'all are fell in love with her honesty. Right. And I think they yeah. connected a little bit. Her idealism, yeah. idealism at least, that right, she wants yeah. to get things done. And yeah. he's still that kind of guy, even though people try to push him in other directions. We could, oh, we could, oh. we could, be, we could be looking at Fuzin. Oh wow! So Susan, I, I, I ship it. I ship it. I wow, ship it. really, y'all? That is so not no. Susan, no. Susan, no. All right. So you don't want justice. You want anger, outrage, retribution. Retribution is what Olivia said. Uh, Marcus said, "Nice purse, Prada. Probably a year's worth of rent at my place." And then he said, "You're you you're about getting a white Republican president elected twice. Excuse me if I don't buy you a." Re- buy you as a real down-ass chick. That's what he said. Yeah. How do you feel about how Olivia handled that confrontation? Um, I, felt, I felt like she should have, I felt she should have showed him what a down-ass sister she was. Because first of all, first of all, I mean, she did say, she did say one thing right. You don't, basically, you don't know my life. She said, yeah, exactly. You don't know what I'm about. You don't know what I'm about. And because, because first of all, why, how, how does not having things make you down? I mean, thank you. Just thank because you. Because she works for what she, what she, you know, the things that she wears and the purse that she right. carries. And, and the thing about it is, uh, yeah, that was her job. She got a, she got a white Republican man report, you know, Elected to the White House because that was her job. Mm-hmm. That's what but she was also, paid to that do. Say? That, doesn't, that doesn't, also doesn't say anything about the quality of the president. That all you're right. saying is he's white and a Republican. Okay, right. but this is also the white Republican dude who's trying to be overthrown by his own party because he's too liberal. That's right. the white Republican dude that she elected. Right. Like, so but, you know what I mean? Right. There's like. Yeah. And, and, I'm just trying to figure. I'm just trying to figure out how her having things. And, you know, her working in a different environment than you're working in makes her less down than you. I mean, because this and I love well, that this was brought can, up. No, go ahead. What were you saying, John? I was going to say, I can. OK, I was just, I, we all just froze and kind of started talking. I was going to say, I think it's the perception is what it is, Langston. Like his mm-hmm. his perception is that. You know, I, I don't want to get too off topic here, but I feel like there's always this perception, and I'll take it back to, you know, activists. Like, we have Al Sharpton and we have Jesse Jackson. And if you were to ask people in the, you know, black community, I feel like you would get some people feel like Al Sharpton is more down than Jesse Jackson for whatever reason. Um, well, I don't. And there I, are people who feel like they're both too old and from a different well, like civil well, rights. Right. Era. There are, all, there are right. also there are also right. people who believe that there are also people who believe that there there are also people who believe and they have also proven themselves to be all about the money because mm, that was right. one of the things that was one of the things that the Ferguson people said was they Jesse came down there wanting to promote some shit and it right. was like came down right. for that. No, right. and, then there was, and then and then. And now there's another situation where someone's saying that Al Sharpton has been sidestepping um, with uh, HBO or some or mm-hmm. one of the cable one of the cable companies to keep black programming off of television. Right. Now, how much whether that's true or not, whether that's true or not, that he's mm-hmm. literally been, you know, and that's how he got his job at MS. Is it MSNBC that he's mm-hmm. on? Yes, mm-hmm. MSNBC. Right. Mm-hmm. So that wow. that's the allegation. That's the allegation at this point. So, but I'm still I'm still trying to figure out how you can equate someone's, but but that is a general perception within right. within that's the community within the yeah. community period. Um, just if you make right. it, if you're making a living, you know you're a sellout. Uh-huh. Yeah. But isn't right. that isn't you that the whole job. Point? Isn't that but isn't that supposed to be the point of the so-called American dream is that we all strive to want right. to be to be there, to have the things, to right. have the money, to be exactly. able to afford the things right. rather, but, rather than, and, you know. And, and that's, that's what you, I mean. It's the different perception that people have. The younger yeah. generation, you know, we have, I mean, again, I feel like we're getting off topic, but it's just so deep. We have so many young black males who are incarcerated. And when you ask them why they are there, they're like, because I was down. I was doing, you know. 
I would I be, you know, like some poor. Right. I was, it's dark, like the people. Like, like, right. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. The one this thing, whole episode has been after dark. I don't even know what y'all are doing. We don't we okay. have seven million questions okay, so. <laughs> that are not being Let's answered. Let's save this for the after dark. Okay. Okay. I want to like, talk about okay. it. Keep them okay. rolling. Keep them rolling. Okay. You the one, instead of, no, no, no. Instead of asking questions, instead of asking questions, you quoting. You pulling in quotes from the show. Let's ask questions. Baby, look, look, look. Okay. look. Yeah, look. you I, okay. I, tried to okay. I tried to interrupt Langston seven times. Langston, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, okay. no, I'm gonna keep. I was like, you know okay. what? I, uh, that's look. Okay. look, all I would look. like to listen is because you did ask the question. You did ask the question. Shade tree, yes. That means that Langston is being a shade tree, y'all. That's what this means. Yes, he's being okay. a shade tree. Can I just say? Oh, in regards to the original question about that quote, how do we think Olivia answered it? Um, Handle that situation. I will say that I said, given the context, what she was, what was happening around her, and maintaining a kind of professional facade in that environment, and it's not the place to like curse somebody out because he doesn't know anything about her. And I think what she said was uh, appropriate about how the way that she's trying to work in the situation is really kind of the best way. And here's the thing, Marcus doesn't know anything about having to work with people on that side to solve a situation. He gets people right. riled up, he gets people like participating on that side. And he and a whole bunch of people were, you know, sort of behind enemy lines, if you will, with the police tape. It wasn't until Olivia, with her black ass and all her power got behind that line that they called off the SWAT team and not because another black person got behind that line but because a very specific person who could fucking ruin that chief and oh no, his whole but she got real got when, that when old boy had that, that gun at her at them. He, yeah. she, no, then, right, that like, was a different thing. He's like, oh god, no, it wasn't different. I don't think it was different. I don't think no, he no. realized what Olivia could do with him rather than him fighting against her. When they kind of teamed up, you, do you understand what I'm saying? You mean the, the father. Change the dynamics. No, I'm talking about Marcus. Yeah, oh, no, no, I'm not talking about, I was, I, the, no, no, that's what I'm saying, it is two separate things. I was talking about how, because after she first talked, after they have that conversation, she then like later later goes to the chief when she sees that the SWAT team are coming in oh, and she yeah, calls yeah. him on it and he's like, um, whose side are you on? And she said, not yours because what you're basically what you're doing is not right. And Olivia always tries to do what she thinks is the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it yeah. doesn't necessarily always work out for her. Right. And so it's not until she gets behind those lines where Marcus already was with everyone else that there really makes a difference. And it's because of who Olivia is the power that she wields and what she could do to that police officer being behind those lines if he didn't do the right thing. I mean, and what he what she could do to his entire department because of who she is. So in the end, like Parker needed Olivia's high level Prada toting black ass to get things done. Yeah. And so they made all these assumptions about her, like in the beginning and like distrusting right. her. And both he's sides. the one that facilitated, like, getting the truth. Right, and both right. and both sides, both sides, you know, were playing against her, really. Yeah, pretty so much. She, mm-hmm. she was, so Caught she was really, middle. she was, she was really doing this major juggling act, trying yeah. to get, mm-hmm. trying to get, trying to get to the truth, Too... and still trying, to, and trying to diffuse the situation. Right. And right. his whole idea of diffusion was completely wrong. Marcus's. I mean. right. So I, I want to read some of the things that Spectacles and Script was talking about earlier because I was tweeting out earlier and she had a lot to say about this same situation. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go over some of the things she said. She was saying that Marcus needs to sit all the way down with that shit, even though <laughs> I did laugh at it. Black check in Olivia Boy by like he has met Olivia Pope. She knows what stock she co- he knows what stock he, she co- no something. About the stock he comes she from. Knows the stock she comes yeah, from. there you go. Privileged she is, but she ain't no new black. 
Um, that yeah. should have been he. Yeah, she said that should have been he. That was a damn typo. And she said, um, does he know what stock she comes from? Yeah, that's what she meant. And then she went on to say, oh, and then man, I be 1974 jumped in. He said, he read her though. She had no comeback and they definitely understood each other afterwards. This can't help the PTSD. He read her based off of surface stuff is what Spectacles and Script yeah. jumped back in and said, she said, fact is, fact remains that his assessment was faulty and assuming that she somehow was not down because she rocks a Prada bag and worked to get a white man elected twice. Does Marcus have evidence to support his assessment that Olivia isn't black enough to have her black card validated? So, and who is he to validate her black card in the first fucking place was my question. Let me finish. Let, let me finish. I, then, I have a question. Then, I have a question. Is Spectacles and Script, uh, is she a, a lawyer or attorney or something? She <laughs> no, she's that. not. Yeah. She broke she broke that down. And so um, Man ID 1974 said, they got it together. She didn't take it personal, though. They ended up on each other's side. Eye-opening for some. It needed to be said. It was some real stuff in last night's episode. Beautiful and powerfully portrayed by all. Now, I'm going to roll up because, you know, the questions are still rolling in. Yeah, we did jump ahead. Um, then Annie, Annie said, yes, because you knew Olivia was going to prove Marcus wrong about her not being black enough. And, of course, back because the script said, you already know how I felt about that. That's what she was telling me. Um, so <laughs> we have Reed and Ashley who said, this episode and run need to be up for an Emmy seriously. Um, uh, run for sure. That's what I said to Specs earlier in chat. <laughs> yeah, and um, Olitz Addict, um, I believe, agreed that both of them were saying that together. One said and the other one added, you know. And then um, Ms. Parker says, thank you. How does ha her having money somehow translate into her not being down or unworthy of having her card validated? And so um, that, that, of course, was retweeted. And da 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 da. Miss um, um, Parker says, "Speak on it, Langston." And I had to tell her, "I know you are not hand clapping Langston for being a shade tree." She said, "No, <laughs> what he was saying after being a shade tree." So yeah, yeah she wasn't hand clapping um, Langston for that. But that was um, those are the comments that we have, and I believe we have another few on um, on 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 here in the Hangouts. So Kamara said, I just want to ask, are we really going to address or deal with Melly's candidacy for pregnancy? For pregnancy? Oh my God. Pregnancy? I'm trying to really so no fast. Are we really going to deal with Melly's candidacy for president? Why not VP for the next administration? Actually, I think she needs to know how to face the people she needs to run against. She has to learn how to fight. Debate class. So Kamara Harrington asked that question. Do you, do you guys see what's okay. happening here? Do you guys see what is happening here? We, we have we have the black woman on can I just say real quick, Eldia? We have yeah. the black woman of this show. It really annoys me when people go all up for Melly and ah oh, Melly feminism this and they miss all <laughs> the shit that Olivia is doing, right? Like like they don't like proclaim big feminist moments for her when Olivia's right. whole life is a feminist statement as far as no, I'm concerned. Now, yeah. we have one woman, the black woman on this show, who's talking about being on her own, fighting for her life, being determined to fight and do things for herself. And we have Melly over here who wants the path to be made easy for her. You told me you were going to pick someone boring. <laughs> it wouldn't be too hard to beat. It is my turn, Fitz. You promise me. You want to go directly from Flotus to President. Bitch, are you crazy? And she and you know what? And she actually she actually she actually jumped from someone who wouldn't be too hard to beat to to someone who has no interest whatsoever. Right. Right. But I was or just who, gonna say Or who could or who couldn't possibly win, period. Right. Exactly. But I was gonna say I think we will deal with it obviously because we, mm -hmm. we know that next year is a big year. Uh, the rumors are running rampant that Hillary's going to run. It's a will she or won't she. And we all know that Shonda really likes to kind of mirror what's going on in the world with this show. So I, I think it's, it's coming. We're going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, definitely. Always brings in the real life. Like, yeah, you're not about to skip all across the fact that Hillary about to be president. Where'd that come from? 
Um, okay, so the next question. I know, I know, you do it. Was um, okay. Big picture, you and I want the same thing. You're just taking the path of most resistance to get there. The fact that they stand in the streets, because that's the part of the last one. The fact that they stand in the street and say things you don't like doesn't make them a mob. It makes them Americans. Wasn't this an indication? This is question four. Wasn't this an indication of things to come in the episode? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I thought it was. I thought it. it I thought it mirrored. Um, I think, like I said, I Lip always tries to do the right thing. She always tries to do it by the book. She doesn't always do it by the book. She's shown that she's been known to color outside of the lines. Hello, defiance. But at the same time, mm -hmm. it mirrored it in the sense that you, you, Olivia is at the point where she is not going to let anybody use her or abuse her or get one over on her. And so the scene, the, in the beginning, she had that scene with Marcus where he was like, how much are you getting paid? Or no, it was when he was with the father and she was like, oh, she's helping you. How much are you getting paid? She's collecting a check. And Liv kind of gave him that look like, Okay, I'm not gonna say anything because she's trying. She's, try she's like, I'm here to do a job. I'm gonna do my job. I'm gonna do my job. But at the same time, even what Marcus wasn't seeing was that she was already calling the police chief out on his BS. You know what I mean? She was like, right. Your men need to stand down. Your men need to not do this. You need to let you like right. you called me here. You need to let me handle it, as she right. said. And not so Marcus and not doesn't have the full picture. He's got a very very right. limited perspective. And right. also not realizing that she's the reason that he wasn't shot on sight when they saw right. him with the shot. <laughs> exactly. Cell phone or no cell phone, right? right. right. And the other thing, the, you know, the other thing I thought about is Olivia had just come back, you know, she's been home for two days and she's clearly not well. And she took this case. And I and right. like I have to wonder why did you take this case? And is it because it's a young black boy that was shot? shot down in the street by a white officer like does she know that she needed to be the yeah. one to take I this case like, and like I, I, I thought about that you know what I mean yeah. that I two days yeah. and you took mm -hmm. this case but I felt like it was a throwback right. to her helping I mean if you want to it's like if you're a true scandal fan I felt like it was a throwback to her and Harrison's relationship in a way because she saved him you know mm -hmm. from that life and in the end he still ended up like that you know what I mean and I think that was the reason why she took Harrison's death so hard was because she thought that she had saved him from that, and in the end, she hadn't. So I get I get your point, Katrina. She she probably felt like it was something she needed to do because she couldn't she didn't help Harrison and she couldn't save Harrison. So she was like, I need to help this in whatever way that I can. I I, I kind of was I was thinking that the entire episode. All right, so we have about 15 minutes left. 15 minutes, so I'm going to ask several questions in succession. Why don't you take each of those questions? Okay. Please be very mm -hmm. short, because <laughs> we can be very verbose, because we have to go into Scandal Podcast after dark. Thank you okay. all for watching thus far. We have another 15 minutes, but thank you all for watching thus far. After this, we'll be going into Scandal Podcast after dark, which is dramaqueenbooks.com backslash support to support Scandal Podcast after dark. Um, and, of course, get in. So stand up, fight back, no more black man under attack. That was a chant that was shouted out on the um, on the show. Question number five is, what about this chant resonates for you? How well was it handled during this episode? Why don't you take that question, please? I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, for, for me, I mean, clearly it, it resonates because it has man in the title. But I mean, and because, you know, it, it took it took the whole Black Lives Matter and made it singular, whereas Black Lives Matter made it, you know, expanded it to, to all to all, you know, black people. But I, I understood the point of it. But um, because as a black man, I have to say, because I shared a story earlier on um, in the Scandalistas and Scandalati, because, you know, everyone has this perception that. If you just respect authority, if you you know, people were saying, I've taught my son to respect authority and therefore he should be safe. That's not necessarily true. Because as a black man, I have to say that I have been stopped by the police and I specifically shared a something that happened to me in my childhood where and you know, and I could 
relate some of the stuff that's happened in adulthood too. But this one has stuck with me for all of my life. And it's um, I had a younger brother, and you guys are familiar with what trailing is on a bicycle, right? When when you have somebody on your handlebars, or either, or either on on the back seat of your on the back of your bike, and so I was trailing my little brother on the front handlebars of my bike, and we were stopped by a police officer, and you know having never been stopped by the police, didn't know how to you know what to do with that or how to process it or anything, because I was only 13 years old. I was a little skinny, scrawny kid with a big afro. And um, he stopped us, and he asked, you know, do you know, do you know that this is illegal? And I didn't know how to answer that question because, no, I didn't know that it was, but at the same time I was scared to death, you know, because, you know, even though we had been brought up, you know, in the era of officer friendly and the only thing that we knew about the police were that they were supposed to be friendly. This guy came very aggressively and it was different than what I remember from officer friendly in my classroom when I was five, six years old, even up to like eight years old. They came to visit every year. So here I am, 13 years old, and this white officer is in my face being very aggressive and I wasn't responding to his questions fast enough. So what he did was push me off my bike and grab me by my throat. Wow. And, and at no point did I say anything or do anything that should have provoked him to do that. Now, this is in the 70s. So I can only imagine what's happening to kids now, you know, and especially we know what's happening to them now. They're just being shot like dogs in the street. So I, I have to say that, yes, that stand up, fight back, no more, you know, more, no more black men under attack resonates greatly with anyone who has ever been, uh, felt like they've been victimized by the police. I can't even say felt like were victimized by the police because it does happen. And I, the question that I posed in the group was, how do you prepare a young man for that? There is no way to prepare them for that. You can tell them to respect police. You can tell them to respect authority, but at the end of the day, you the variable in that situation is a police officer. Yep. You can you can you can say respect him and you can be as respectful as you want to, but if that person, whether it be a police officer or a gang member or whoever is the aggressor, if they want to escalate it, it will escalate. So you can't tell your child that it's as simple as um, respecting someone because you can be respectful for, to someone all day long, but if they're not respectful of you, that's the variable and that's where the problem comes in. Mm -hmm. All right, so I just keep thinking about, oh, are you done, Langston? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, I just keep thinking about my own kids, how I'd be feeling if I was that boy's father. The question number six is, is the dynamic in America all about power? What else is it about, and how would you solve it? Oh, that's such a deep question, I feel like. It's it's about power. It's about race. It's about sexism, classism. There's so many. Back to power. Yeah, but it all relates back to power. Who has the most? and what do they have the most of, I feel like. Um, and the I question, in Scandal, the question's always asked, not to cut you off, but the question's often mm -hmm. asked, who is power? So when you, when you say right. that, it kind of goes together. So go ahead and finish what you were responding. Um, I, was, I was just saying, I don't really know if there is a way to fix it. I feel like everyone's like, oh, if everyone was treated equal, well, we know that's never going to happen because since the beginning of time, everyone hasn't been treated equal. Um, if everyone only had the same rights and the same opportunities and the same chances or, you know, I, I just, it, to me, it's such a different world than even when I was growing up in. I feel like when I was a kid, you could go outside, you could play, you were allowed mm -hmm. to make mistakes, you were allowed to do dumb things, and now, like I said, with my 16-year-old brother, I don't feel like he has that. I feel like one mistake literally can ruin his entire life, and or I in, never felt like that when I was growing life. up. Or, or end it. Exactly. Exactly. And I never felt like that as a kid. I always felt like, oh, I knew right from wrong. And like Langston said, I was raised by my mom, a single mom. 
but it was always, you know, it wasn't even about if someone was in a uniform or not. It was just you respect your elders. Your elders yeah. tell you to do something, you do it. So it was like we grew up in the world where, like, your neighbor could say, honey, don't don't you run across the street, and you would be like, okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And now you 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 can't say that to someone else's kid because the mother is gonna come banging on your door and go, "Why are you talking to my child? How dare you say that?" You know, it's and it's that's when you come out with a hammer in your hand. So if they come to the door with foolishness, you show them the business end of that hammer. Okay, yeah. all right. See Someone what I meant about escalation. See what I meant about escalation. That's <laughs> Don't mess with Jaha. She's the variable. She's a variable. <laughs> It's so different. I don't really know if there is a way to fix it. I just think, I just always, one of my favorite quotes has just always been, when you know better, you do better. So for me, I'm always mm. trying to make sure that my brother is aware how fortunate he is a, to have the opportunities that he does have because he has a lot of them. I'm always preaching to him. You know, I always say to him, I go, and education is the only thing they give you for free up until you're 18. And after that, you have to earn everything else. You know what I mean? I'm always saying that to him. And he's like, he doesn't he doesn't really get it because you know, especially now he's at that 16-year-old age where, you know, school sucks and he can't wait to be over with it. But I, I'm constantly in his ear going, right take advantage of this because you don't get to go back and redo it over again. Very few people get to go back and correct the mistakes of their past. Yeah. Those who do are fortunate. A lot of us don't and we have to live with the repercussions of it. So, uh, you know, I don't really know if there's a way to fix it. I just think we have to make people more aware and we as people have to just become more tolerant of each other's differences and, and, and understand that it is okay to be different. You don't have to hang out with people who think like you think and look like you look and act like you act. You know what I mean? You you should want to be around people who expose you to different things. I like that I have a really good friend who's like so much smarter than me because she teaches me stuff. I mean, I'll call her up and be like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm sitting here teaching myself Japanese. And I'm like, why would you teach yourself Japanese? Who does that? She it, it, it inspires me to want to do something. You know what I mean? Like, it may not be learn Japanese, but it's something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I think we just need to be more tolerant of each other. That's right. the way to fix it, I think. So hopefully we can do that. The truth is, those people in Rosemead have no respect. They are taught to question me, to disobey me, and I still risk my life for these people. These, those people didn't teach him the right values about respect. He had no right to question my authority. It was not his right. Question number seven is, what do you think about Officer Newton's speech, Katrina? Let me, you know what, this uh, question actually fell to the perfect person, if I may say so. Because, uh, I mean, I had a lot of feelings about what he said because I actually used to teach or facilitate an ethics course for MPD and FBI agents, among other law enforcement officers, when I lived back in D.C., and I would hear them say, not not things so blatantly kind of like, I would say blatantly or undercover racist in some ways there, because there's some issues to unpack in what the officer said, because there is this notion that there is some kind of inherent authority in whiteness, and especially white maleness. And mm. I partly took it that way, that not just because he was an officer, but because he was this white officer that mm -hmm. you are supposed to respect his authority and if you do not then he has recourse to do whatever but the other issue here is and the reason why I brought up what I used to do is that I would get officers talking about how tough it was to go into communities in DC where they're looked at as the enemy or the devil or whatever and that they're brought up to distrust police officers. And I'm like, well, that's true, but there is a history there. And the benefit we had in the classroom is that we had discussed a whole kind of history before getting to that kind of contemporary uh, right. context of the situation. But what those officers also brought up is the fact that they take a fucking oath. They, because that office that they hold, it requires them to 
be held to a higher standard. They're not private citizens. So you going into a community where citizens are not praising you, are not welcoming you, who are they're mean girling you in the communities um, to use a scandalism. That is your job. You're held to a higher standard, and you need to be prepared and know the animosity that runs through some of some of these neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. why that is there. Not that these people are inherently evil, or that they're just these people. Like he's not even seeing them as sort of like individual people, but this like collective mob that's out to get him. So he's already defensive, kind of going in. And I have a problem with that attitude. And you'll notice that he also brought up how there were 88 murders or something he said mm-hmm. in the city last year, and mm-hmm. how many of those were police officers, and how many right. of those were them gunning each other down, which mm-hmm. is the unspoken so-called black-on-black crime, right? That kind mm-hmm. of bullshit notion that goes on when we have white-on-white crime all the time. We just don't call it white-on-white crime. So right. I, I think there was so much there that they included in that police officer's like rant. Things that I have heard before like from real-life officers not come out in that exact way, but there were a lot of themes there that have come out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thankfully, most of them seem to be a little bit more cognizant of the issues that they're dealing with in those communities and how deeply ingrained some of that animosity, um, you know, is and why it's there. Mm -hmm. Can I I add add to that real quick? Uh, Real quick, real quick, because you know how you... You know what, if you be be quiet, it's going to be quick. (laughs) So anyway... (laughs) Uh, so, like I said, like I was about to say, if she would let me finish, um, <laughs> is that, you know, just just as you said at, that the police officers have to take an oath, well, so do doctors. Now, if doctors went around just killing their patients, you know, I, they would most definitely go to jail. So, and it's ah, like, you're not respecting my authority. Right. You know, the bitch rolled her eyes at me before she went in, before she went out. So I ripped her heart out. Come on. You know, it's like, it's like, at what point, at what point, at what point are we going to hold them to the higher standard that they took this oath to? And it's like, and, and the thing is, is, I need for these police officers, I need for you to stop taking, you know, the fact that people are upset with what one officer did and taking it personally as if we're talking about everybody. We're talking about those officers who are out there doing this, who are, you know, destroying lives, killing people. And, you know, and you as an officer, you know, this big blue wall or whatever they call it. All of a sudden, everybody's offended because you're being because one of your people is being called out. One of your people is being called out for having done something illegal, which is murder. And it's like, come on! At what point do you, you know, not do you start standing up or whatever? Because I'm just happy to start reading some of the stuff where some of these officers are coming forward regarding these um, allegations of having to meet quotas stuff like that. So I'm, I'm glad to see that there's a lawsuit on that. And I hope eventually that some of them will start to come forward in regards to their fellow officers who are actually killing people and killing them and trying to cover it up. All right. So I did ask a couple extra questions and these were 7A and 7B. They were kind of toggled off of the initial question, which was, um, and we're not answering it on the podcast. I'm just going to leave it for the, the regular listeners because this is an extension of the seven. Um, how many people do you think feel this way about race in America or even o- across the globe? And are you preparing your children for the reality of this new America or of this America? No. Um, I have I had a, I have a couple of responses. Sweet Treats Forever says, I've got three boys and my daily regimen is to remind them of the reality of what's going on. And she also says, unfortunately, many people see race this way. They live in she lives in NYC. Um, and then I have another response here. It was, uh, uh, oh, they talked about your bow. She said, <laughs> about who? Her bow. She said, it is her daily fear. Sweet Trees Forever continued saying, it's her, oh, Lord, that's loud. it's her daily fear. She lives with 
when her voice started out, so this episode hit home hard. Um, we're going to wrap this up because I don't know where that is coming from. Olive's Addict said that um, the bowl that you have on right now, she's, she's loving it, Katrina. And then, um, who else? Uh, Sweet Treats Forever says, God damn, she wishes she was as smart as you because you really get it. She says she's on her way home driving, but she's listening on her handheld. That's dedication. That's what I'm talking about. Handheld. That's right. You go. Yes. Yes. Now, I'm going to um, wrap this up with the last comments from Kamara Harrington. I, I just meant it's crazy that she discuss oh she's talking about Melly. I um she's discussing running for president. I don't understand why he's even considering it. I think Liv should be in the cabinet, but that's not don't happening. Underestimate she said, it, girl. Do you not she says, um you know. This was a really great podcast. You guys really helped me deal with the feelings left over from last night. And she said maybe Liv took the case because it was her way of trying to re trying to rediscover herself. So that is it for this episode of the Scandal Fan Podcast. We are all about to run on into the After Dark. Thank you all for joining us. If you would like to be a patron for the After Dark and join us in our After Dark discussions, which half of the first part of the show was the After Dark. So... <laughs> <laughs> So if you would like to join us, make sure you go to dramaqueenbooks.com backslash support. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We don't, I don't know what's going on. What, just, here, happened, what just, just happened over there? Go ahead and stop the broadcast because she scared me. <laughs> I heard like, all I heard was like fuzz in my ear. I couldn't hear anything. It was like... Oh, oh, oh yeah. man, I don't know what's going on with you, girl. We're still right, live. So see you all later, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning into the Scandal Fan Podcast. I told y'all, I told y'all this episode was hot like fire. And if you want to join us in the After Dark where we have all these bold and honest discussions. And I did talk to the um, the team and talk to them about the fact that sometimes we need to have these conversations on air because it really is relevant. And sometimes I feel like because we do it in the After Dark, we're kind of hiding the discussion of everything that we kind of covered here, which was largely a lot of scandal podcasts after dark at the beginning of our our episode until we went back into the questions and then we took all of that kind of bottled it up for the moment and threw it into the after dark because I think the show that we did in the after dark was about 30 additional minutes and we touched on a lot of things that we weren't able to go over in the actual podcast and Katrina took the floor for a good bit of it Langston took a, a session and um, then you know Eldia chimed in with what she had to say and we kind of let go at the end of that but I thank you all for tuning in this was a very I kind of feel like it was a pivotal episode of Scandal itself and it gave us a lot of legs um, to walk on it was a very special episode because Shonda Rhimes took everything that was going on in our society right now and not that she does it any other time but she really put it in our face in a way that allowed us to view the lenses of everyone that was involved and even everyone that's involved in in the everyday of our lives and how some of the perspectives can feel exactly like they felt on that street where it's color against color classism there was sexism there was racism there was so many different elements that went on in this one episode and as you, you all can see I'm so I'm still kind of stoked or hyped up about it not hyped in a, a happy way but hyped in a way that allows us to have discussion with um with regards to the episode. So thank you all for, for joining us for this episode of the Scandal Fan Podcast. I am uh, Jaha Knight and you can find me on jahanight.com, but you can find the podcast always, always on dramaqueenbooks.com. Thanks. Bye. Until next time, because you know I don't ever end like that. Stay sophisticated. <laughs>